everybody. It's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes podcast. On this podcast, I encourage you to say yes to building a business and a life that you love. I offer faith-based coaching to women who are ready to take ownership of their lives so that they can live abundantly, body, mind, and soul. I help you take every thought captive so you can overcome limiting thoughts and take inspired action. If you're looking for clarity, confidence, coaching, and community, you've come to the right place. Your best life is waiting for you. This is your invitation. What do you say? Yes or yes? I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm excited to bring you this conversation today with my friend, Ann Taylor McNeese. And Ann is a therapist, and she helps therapists learn how to integrate their Christian faith in their therapy. She also helps Christians understand how therapy might help them and overcome maybe some limiting thoughts they might have about therapy or some fear about entering into therapy. And so we talk about all of that in this conversation. Anne is the founder of Soul Grit Resources, and I'm going to put all the contact information to reach her in the show notes at greatbigyes.com because you're going to want to follow up with her. She's created an online course for therapists. She has a podcast that she just launched called Soul Grit, and I would love for you to go listen to that. Um, But you're going to meet her today and get to know her a little bit today. And you may have questions about therapy. You may have questions about how to find a therapist or if you need therapy or what is therapy? And we talk about EMDR. Um, I ask her some questions that I've had and she clears some things up for me. And um, it's just a great conversation. So thank you for being here. Here is my conversation with Ann Taylor McNeese. All right. So hi, Ann. How are you? Hi, Sue. Thank you for so much for having me here. I'm excited to talk to you today. Oh my gosh. I am so excited too. Let's just start off by having you introduce yourself and tell the listeners what you do. Okay. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I live in Southern California and I run a private practice where I see individuals and couples and counseling. I'm also uh, the creator of Soul Grit Resources, where I'm just putting out resources for people online so that they can understand more about Christian faith and mental health and, and why Christians might want to go to therapy and how to break that down a little bit to remove stigmas and um, debunk myths and just help people get access to mental health care when they already follow Jesus. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many questions. I love, love, love what you do. And let's just let everyone know you just launched a podcast too, right? I did. It's called Soul Grit and it came out on Tuesday, June 1st. So we're just in the beginning stages, but there's lots of fun episodes that are lined up to release. So that will be every Tuesday at midnight Pacific. So um, make sure you subscribe so that will come right into your player and then you'll get to hear. Um, so far, we've been talking about like, let's just talk about Jesus and mental health and then moving on to like, why are Christians not going to therapy? And, uh, you know, how would you find a therapist if you wanted to? And later on, I'm going to talk about more general wellness and the church and have some really fun guests on later. Okay. I love that. And do you, the thing about therapy right now that I'm noticing is let's like kind of start with this. 
Have you noticed in, because of COVID and everything that's kind of been happening and everyone being like isolated that more people need therapy? Like, have you gotten busier during this time? Yeah. Holy cow. It's, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, I don't keep a waiting list cause it's, it's just too hard to manage, but every therapist I know is full and yes. uh, there are people calling daily to get in. Now, when we started the, you know, the pandemic shut down in March, 2020 for a while, when we thought it was like two weeks to slow the curve, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, then people kind of dropped out of therapy for a while because they weren't really sure of like, how would I do this online? And they thought, well, we'll be fine if I don't see my therapist for a couple of weeks. And so at first it dropped and people were just at home with their families and they were baking sourdough bread and they were doing <laughs> fun things. It was all know. fun and games. And yeah. <laughs> and now my husband jokes that you know, the, the greater percentage of people in therapy are actually therapists because after doing this for almost a year and a half, we are, um, we're tired and we're weary and not just therapists, but everybody has had to come face to face with loss, whether that's loss of an actual person because of this disease, or if it was a loss of, um, you know, a graduation ceremony or a wedding or, um, just a time with loved ones. And so one of the things it's doing is really pulling some things out of the woodwork where when you were going about your busy life, you could just kind of, you know, stuff some things down and not have to worry about it. But when you're sitting at home looking at a screen all day and you haven't had interpersonal contact for a while, a lot of those things are going to bubble up and it just gets weary. And so, yes, there's a ton of people in therapy right now. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of people struggling in their marriage right now because of all of this time, like kind of together. And I think what you're saying is really true. Like often we're just busy in our lives and we can either put things off or avoid things or even numb out some things that might be bothering us. And then, and, and this time has just allowed us to be like, really like with our, with our feelings, with our people, um, so much so that I think it's brought up a lot of stuff. Yeah, it sure has. It, the good thing to know, though, is a lot of people were skeptical about telehealth, meaning meeting with your therapist on a screen. Yeah, they said, how could you possibly get all of my range of emotions and feel that human connection? But what I learned really early on is that therapy still works on a screen. Like there, there may be some modalities that aren't as helpful. Um, couples therapy is a little bit more challenging on a screen, but guess what? My clients are still making progress and people are still getting healing. And it, it also opens up some of these benefits that before you had to go see a therapist that was just in your local community. And so like, if you live in a big city, great, there's going to be a whole range of people. But if you live in a rural area, yeah, there may not be a therapist that fits with you or your beliefs or the, the particular issue that you're dealing with. And so now you have access to your whole state because the majority of therapists are actually working online. So you can right. choose somebody that's from a different part of the state, as long as they're licensed where in the state that you live. I love that. It's true. And I, one of the things that I think is challenging about doing therapy on zoom is that if you're in a place where you have like your whole family's home or you have roommates and yeah. everyone can kind of hear you. I think 
sometimes that makes people feel like, oh, I don't want to do it on Zoom. I want to go somewhere behind a closed door and be in private. You yeah, know? for sure. And I totally get that. So I've had clients, a lot of people do their therapy now from their car because sometimes oh. not, not while you're driving, cause that wouldn't be safe, but, but yeah. like they sit out in the car and they turn on the air conditioning and then we talk while they're sometimes just in their driveway or uh, like one client will drive a couple blocks away from her house and just in yeah. case any of her family members are, you know, passing by and, uh, or I've had moms, you know, sometimes moms can only get peace in the bathroom and sometimes not even then. So right. I've, I've done therapy with people sitting on the edge of the bathtub or sitting on a closed toilet seat. With, <laughs> and yeah. once in a while, there's a kid coming in that has to poop or there's some <laughs> oh, right, right. actually personally happened to me because I have three young kids. And usually I try to make sure they're not at home when I'm doing therapy. But uh, one day I was working with a client and thank God that all of the majority of my clients are moms. So they understand. But yeah. at, at that moment, my eight-year-old fell off his bike. And of course, the only place where there's band-aids in the house is in the room that I was doing therapy in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, the other one had to poop and there was no other toilets available. So oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time I really tried to limit interruptions. And my, my family knows if they knock on the door, I'm not going to go open the door for them. Um, right. But when somebody, you know, has an emergency, <laughs> right. that happens. What are you going to do? Well, yeah. and how has that been? I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, so you're a mom of young kids and mm -hmm. this year's been kind of wacky with, you know, doing school on Zoom or were your yeah. kids in school or were they at home doing school on Gosh. Zoom? it was virtual up through March and then they went back part-time. So okay. gosh, Sue, I have a kindergartner who's finishing kindergarten tomorrow. And this was probably the most challenging thing that I've done in parenting. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, that's my youngest and doing kindergarten on zoom every single day was a beast. And it like some days I just had to go, you know what? you're smart enough, you know, all your letters and your shapes. And if we don't do that thing, it's going to be better for our relationship if we don't fight about it, you know? Yes. Well, and I think it's so hard, especially with kindergarten. I mean, kindergarten to me was like, you know, you finger paint, you sing some songs and you take a nap and I know it's changed. It's more academic now, yeah. but, um, I do feel like those younger grades, that's really hard. And I'm sure it's such a challenge for the teachers to keep it yeah. interesting because kids yeah. don't want to sit in front of the computer all day either. Yeah. Was it all day kindergarten or half day? No, it was, uh, it was on and off of zoom from eight to noon. So okay. it, there's four hours of like, now you have a meeting, now you don't have a meeting and you have to work on this worksheet. And I do have to say though, his teacher was amazing, like the best kindergarten teacher ever. And she knew like when he was about to zone out, so she would call on him and have him participate and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was tough. Now my big kids did great. They're second and fifth grade and they were able to handle all of the technology and they know I, I'm sure you've experienced this too. Like the kids know more about technology oh, even yeah. at eight years old than, than we do. <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, but yeah, it's challenging. So as you were building your business, as you first started being a therapist, were you, was that before you had kids or when did you kind of start your business? 
Yeah. So to become a therapist, you have to have a bachelor's degree and then you have to get a master's degree in counseling um, and some form of counseling. And so then after that, you have to do an internship, which in California is 3000 hours of, of client time. Oh, that's so- a lot. It's a really long time. They give you six years to do that. And I took almost the the exact amount of time that they allowed because I had three babies during my internship. So I graduated from grad school in 2009, June, 2009 and July, 2009, I was pregnant with my first. So like raising young kids and being a counseling intern went (laughs) together for me. So then when my youngest was about a year and a half, that's when I launched my private practice so that I could have my own schedule. I can see clients when it works for me. Um, I can do it kind of the way that I want to and be my own boss. And then I'm just kind of the type of person that once I've reached a goal, I'm already thinking of what's the next goal. Like literally on Tuesday, when the podcast launched, I was going, okay, what's next? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know anything about that. And we're like the same person for sure. Yeah. Um, So then I started thinking, well, I started thinking after I had the private practice, like, okay, now I can only do like fee for service model is you come in, I spend an hour with you, you pay me money and then you leave. And so there's only so many clients that I can see in a week. And so that really caps my, my influence and my reach. It also caps my income. So Mm -hmm. I started thinking like, what do I have to offer that would work for other people where they're going to get motivated or they're going to have the resources to change and I'm going to get more income. (laughs) So my next project was writing a course for therapists. So I have a course available called Faith Integration for Therapists, and I just teach other therapists how to integrate faith into their practice in a way that is healthy and also bold, but, but ethical, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was the next thing. And I, I just kept running across therapists who would say, oh yeah, I, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. And then I would look at their practice website or I'd try to refer a client to them. And they would say, oh no, I don't do Christian counseling. Or no, I don't talk about faith in my counseling. And uh, as a Christ follower, I was like, well, why not? <laughs> you and know? also, how do you not? I mean, that's who yeah. you are. Yeah. yeah. So I, I started, you know, just listening to what people were saying and there's a lot of people who went to maybe a secular university to get their counseling degree. And even though they, they love Jesus personally, there's never been any kind of training on how would you talk about that with clients or um, what would be the appropriate ways? What are the inappropriate ways to talk about faith and counseling? And so I created that just because I think there's, there's this whole superpower that people aren't tapping into like when you incorporate your spiritual your spirituality with the like science the evidence-based practices of clinical counseling like that's dynamite yes people are going to change so that was the next thing and then we shifted gears into this podcast because I wanted um, not just therapists to have some access to this, but just any average person that's like, yeah, I go to church and I've heard some weird things about counselors and I, 
you know, I want to try this EMDR or I want to try cognitive behavior therapy, but I have no idea what that means. And so it's a, a place where people can be encouraged in their faith and also get answers to some of these uh, bigger like mental health or therapy questions. Oh, I love it. I agree that it's, um, that's just so powerful, the combination, but can you describe for people who maybe are hearing it for the first time? Cause I feel like there's lots of talk out there about EMDR. What is that? Oh yeah, sure. EMDR, it's a mouthful. It stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And it's one, of, it's basically the number one treatment for trauma and PTSD. So a lot of us think about trauma as, oh, you were in combat or you were raped or you were in a natural disaster, something like that. We call those big T traumas. Those are the things that actually threatened your life, you know, Mm -hmm. but everybody has trauma. You have trauma. I have trauma. And some of them are big. And some of them are what we might call little T traumas. Like when you were in third grade and your mom didn't show up after school and you thought you were never going to have a ride home and you'd have to live there. (laughs) Or I always give the example of, uh, I was giving a book report in sixth grade about Anne of Green Gables, and I didn't know how to pronounce Nova Scotia, and I called it Nova Scotia, and somebody oh. in my class raised his hand and said, that's not how you say it. Mm. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. So embarrassment can be a trauma, or yes. a lot of things that we're going through right now with, with COVID and the pandemic, or even in our churches. A lot of churches have been struggling. So a lot of us are dealing with more of like a spiritual trauma. Yes. And so any of those things can be helped with EMDR. And what it does is it creates this uh, bilateral stimulation. So that means bilateral means one side to the other. And, And the traditional method is with eye movements. So when your eyes flick back and forth from one side to the other, that's creating that bilateral stimulation. It's crossing the, the midline of your body. Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, it allows your brain to open up some of those um, memories and thoughts and feelings so that you can reprocess them in a way that it kind of files them into the right folders so that you don't have to have it um, like pricking you all the time. So oh, when you about people that have triggers, so the, like the easiest one is, you know, for guys that have been in combat they're having a, a neighborhood barbecue and a car backfires and they hit the deck, you know, Yes. because their, their body has been traumatized. It remembers that sound. And then that was related to danger. Yes. And so, but we all have those things. Like um, it could just be a simple relationship thing. And that one person reminds you of that thing, you know, yeah. and, and then you go into this emotional spiral that you're having anxiety and you're like maybe avoiding certain activities and all of that. So um, when you do EMDR, you convert some of the negative beliefs that you've had about yourself or about the world into more positive, more helpful beliefs. And, and you really internalize them. So then you go out into the world and you don't have to be triggered by the same things anymore. And is it like something that you put on them physically? Like I'm picturing like electro things like attached to your brain or something no, like no. how do you do it it's super it's a lot more simple than that so the traditional way was um the therapist would just hold up two fingers at shoulder level and you would follow the fingers going back and forth from left to right 
about, about shoulder width apart. Yeah. But a therapist's arm gets real tired. We lose our rotator cuff after a while, you know? (laughs) Um, So what they've created is a light bar. So your therapist might set up this bar on a tripod in front of you, and then your eyes would follow it back and forth. But what I discovered as a client is that a lot of times when I'm working through some of these big feelings, I got lots of tears in my eyeballs and I can't see the light bar. Mm. So what I prefer to do is um, they call them tappers or pulsers. And it's just a little, it's a little bit bigger than the size of a quarter and you hold it one in each hand and they have a a wire connected to them and they go from one side to the other side so that it creates the, um, the bilateral. You can also do it with sound. So you can put on a pair of headphones and there would be a tone in your left ear and then a tone in your right ear and it would go back and forth and back and forth. Or you can do it just with tapping. So sometimes um, when I have to teach someone about this and, I, and I'm not you know, present and I can't touch them, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can wrap yourself in what they call a butterfly hug and you cross one arm over the other one and you're tapping your own shoulders with the opposite hand. Now, during this, is anyone asking, is the therapist asking questions or anything or? Actually, it's really different from talk therapy and that we'll, we'll kind of set it up um, by talking, but then once you're doing the bilaterals, the therapist is totally silent. And then the therapist may stop the bilaterals and then ask you what came up for you or what did you notice while we were doing that? And then the the person has a chance to process. It's really interesting. Oh my gosh. It's fascinating. Yeah. I love that you just explained that because I have been hearing a lot more about that lately Mm -hmm. and I wondered what it was. Um, you mentioned PTSD and I saw a quote, um, the other day, just like on Instagram from doc Amen or I think it's yeah Daniel Amen. And I'm going to read it. It says when a trauma causes you to become stronger, it's called post-traumatic growth. Mm. Post-traumatic growth happens in about 10% of people who experience traumas and includes a deepened spiritual life, a new appreciation of life a vision for new possibilities and positive change. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I had never heard of post-traumatic growth mm. before. Yeah. Um, well, well, Sue, I think you probably have, you just didn't have a name for it. Because that's right. In the, in the work that you do as a life coach and business coach, you see people going through this all the time. They do hard things or they experienced hard things and then something beautiful comes out of it. That's the work you do, right? (laughs) Well, yes. And that's my life story when I was held up at gunpoint when I was 25 and I had PTSD and I suffered from anxiety and I suffered from panic attacks. But really what came out of it is my life's work. That's what got me to do yoga. That's what got me into breathing. That's what got me into the body, mind, soul connection. That's what got Mm -hmm. me reconnect with Jesus. Like that is was like the impetus of all the things that I do. And so when I read that, it just resonated so much because the other thing that resonates about that for me is that I think that in our society, there's a lot of people, there's, there's kind of this, um, it's almost like for, especially for my, I have kids who are 23, 21 and 18. And I think in the 20, the people that are in their twenties right now, there's like this, um, almost like 
they brag about their trauma or they bra- not brag, but it's almost like it's a competition to see who's more broken. Mm, yeah, I And see that. that was really cultural for a while. And I feel like I was kind of screaming inside, like, no, 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 no. Like I get the language around broken and being a Christian and, and needing a savior. I get that. But it's like, even that, like, yes, you may be broken and you know, you're sinful and God came and he saved you. And by his grace, you are saved, but he, Jesus doesn't like leave you where you are in your brokenness. Like we don't wallow in our brokenness. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why I love the idea of therapy or even hearing about EMDR and like how you can come out of that, right. How those triggers are no longer triggers. And so I think when I read this about post-traumatic growth, I was like, Yes, 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 yes. Because the message that I am like all about, and I just believe so deep in my spirit is like, yes, we're not perfect. And yes, we're going to go through things. And yes, we're going to have trauma, but like, we don't stay there. Yeah. Right. Jesus doesn't want to leave you there. No. (laughs) And I think one of the cool things that I've experienced, particularly with EMDR, but with other modalities as well, that every time that I've been a client in the EMDR um, session, not, not just a therapist, but me as a client, I have had the Holy spirit come and be present. Like he's there and you can feel him. And the the weirdest experiences, like I, I know a lot of the Bible, but I'm not like going around spouting it out all the time. But when I'm in this moment where I'm dealing with my own trauma and yes, they're little T traumas, but um, I'm going through this, this experience. And then the Psalms just start pouring out of me, like, like oh, in my brain, like that. verse after verse is coming. And this is what it's like. The Holy spirit is speaking to me and, and showing me my own healing oh, because it's there. That is amazing. Yeah. Okay. You don't know how bad I want to do EMDR right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, Count me in. Okay. So, so let's just say this for, for you or for the listener, there's an organization called MDRIA. It's M-D-R, E-M-D-R-I-A.org. Mm-hmm. And that is like kind of like the, the uh, approval or certification body for EMDR practitioners. And so if you go on their website, you can look up somebody that's in your area. Like there are people who are doing this online on telehealth, but I personally, I don't feel like I'm experienced enough in it to do it. And I think there's some, some benefits that you could have to being in person. So go on that website and see who's in your area. Okay. I am doing that. I love that. That's so, so, so interesting. Um, So tell me about, and for people listening, and I know you and I have talked about this before, but what would you say some of the things that maybe Christians have heard about therapy or why Christians would hesitate to go to a therapist? Cause I'm a Christian and I would never hesitate to go to a therapist. So I don't have that same feeling, but you and I've talked about that before where people have felt that. And I've heard people say that before, like, well, if I just pray harder, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can we talk yeah, we about that a, a little bit? We have a mixed up view of how healing happens, I think, in our, our Christian community, because yes, absolutely. I believe that Jesus still does miracles and that you can receive um, instant miraculous healing, whether that's physical or emotional or mental. I also believe that Jesus works through doctors and and counselors and, and different people that are in your life to help promote your healing. So if, 
I mean, there's some Christians that are going to be on the extreme, like, no, I won't take any kind of medication for this disease that I have because God's going to heal me. We know about those people. I'm not talking about that, but the average Christian somehow has this idea of like, if the doctor told me I was diabetic, I'd change my diet and I'd also uh, maybe have to take insulin or a medication, or I might get a pump, you know, I'd have to get shots. I'd be testing my, my blood every day. We're, we're okay with that. If a Christian gets cancer, they think, well, yeah, chemo or radiation is probably going to be what I need to do. But if a Christian gets depression or anxiety, somehow we've attached to that, that it's more of a sin issue than, or a character issue than an actual medical issue. And so we have to change that stigma or that belief that says that your mind is totally separate from your body. Uh, because it is a, a physical thing. Like some of us don't produce the right amount of serotonin or the other neurotransmitters. And, and some of us are dealing with trauma that activates some of those biological characteristics that we have in our, our body that we've inherited from our family. So if we say it's okay to take insulin, but it's not okay to take Zoloft, there's a problem. Yes. Do you think that, um, I also kind of think though, sometimes I agree with you. Sometimes it's chemical and we need medicine. And then sometimes are like, again, I'm, I'm back into the 20 year olds uh, or that generation. Um, they feel like sometimes they don't want to have a bad day or they don't understand that like there's ebbs mm. and flows to life. Like they want to be like, just take care of it. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. just make this go away. Yeah. There's so many cultural factors that go into that right now with just like instant gratification and the shortened attention span and all of that. But I do think that research suggests that therapy and medication combined is the best way mm-hmm. uh, to re- like, if you have a, a serious um, mental or emotional health problem going on, like do both. But for a lot of people, if it's not obvious at first that it's just a a chemical imbalance, like therapy can take you really far without meds. And so it's, it's a really good idea to work through some of this stuff, because if you just take a pill and make it go away, it's going to come back sometime. (laughs) Like you haven't dealt with a problem. Right. Yeah. I like that. Um, well, and just to take the stigma away from, if you feel like you need help, tell somebody, ask for help. Yeah. But I do think probably you could speak to this better because of the age of your children and their friends and everything. But uh, I think it's become more cool in that uh, age group to have a therapist. Oh, yeah. And um, so that is a plus. Um, but the, this is also the group that's uh, deconstructing their faith and, and moving away from uh, maybe church attendance, things like that. So uh, it, it has to be yes and both you know therapy can help you being part of a christian community can help you igniting your faith in jesus helps you sometimes medication helps you moving your body i mean yeah. as, as a yoga instructor you know this yes. moving your body eating healthy food getting enough sleep at night like mm-hmm. these are the things that are foundational for you to live a healthy life and and that's not just your body looking good in a pair of jeans, but your body feeling good in your mind. Yes. I think my kids get so sick of me because through the years, you know, if they 
they don't feel good or they're having a tantrum or something. I'm like, go outside, get some sun, drink some water, move your body, take a nap. And they're like, mom, you know, and I know sometimes it's more than that, but we have to set that foundation. Um, right. Because, and if you're in your twenties and you are feeling out of whack, but you're also drinking every night and you're not eating right. And you haven't Mm -hmm. slept and you're totally stressed out. Like there's some things that we need to also think about, right. Like that basic health stuff. Yeah. Um, which I think we, we've kind of gotten out of, even when they talk about COVID and this whole last year and everybody's thinking about the vaccine and the mask and everything. I just wish there were more people out there talking about general health. That's why I I follow all these doctors on Instagram because I love when Mm -hmm. they're just giving that advice. That's just, it's old school, basic advice, like, Mm -hmm. you know, eat right, feed your body, good foods. Like this one doctor was on and he was saying, uh, he was, um, talking before the Senate in Texas. And he was just saying, someone said, well, how do we help our immune systems? And he's like, I'm so glad you asked. He's like, Oh, I think um, I saw that video. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, eat God food, not man food, Mm. which I loved. And Mm -hmm. also don't let fear take over your system. Mm. Yeah. You know, don't succumb to fear. And that's where faith comes in. And even in the healing process, even when you're seeing a therapist and all the different things, taking all the steps, you know, having that faith that you're loved Mm. and that you're, you were designed and created by a God who loves you and will never leave you. Yeah. That's paramount. Yeah. And that's why I say that it's like a superpower. If you're a Christian, um, and you're going to therapy, like you, Uh, like let's take cognitive behavior therapy for example Mm -hmm. which is something that I use with a lot of clients it's going from taking a negative belief that's not helping your life and reframing it into a positive belief that will be helpful for you in your emotions your behaviors the way your body feels all that. that that's a basic premise of it but a lot of times when I'm working with a client that doesn't know God they'll say okay here's my negative thought and I'll say, okay, let's work on the reframing to a positive thought. And they, they'll say, and I can't do it because they all sound like BS. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're right, they do. But when I'm working with a Christian client, yeah. they, they can go, and I can't think of any positive thoughts. And I can say, well, let's look at what the scripture says. The scripture said, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. The scripture said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The scripture said, you know, and, and we can go through that. And then all of a sudden, even if they can't create a new positive thought out of thin air for themselves, they have this uh, resource that is actually alive and (laughs) it's living and active. Remember? Yes. And that's exactly why I remember when I first started coaching, I was like, well, I'm just going to be a coach. Like, I'm not going to be a Christian coach. Like, I'm not going to be a faith-based coach. I'm just going to be a coach. And then I realized, okay, that's impossible for me to do um, just with my personality and my belief system and my faith. And so as I was thinking about it, like I have three pillars to great big yes. And that first one is foundation. And that's the foundation. If we don't have the foundation of believing that we are God's beloved and that we were created with a plan and a purpose in mind, and that we are wonderfully and beautifully made like all the things in scripture, if we don't have that, then whatever I'm going to say next about taking chances and not living in fear and saying yes, even when you don't know what you're doing and all of that stuff, that's not going to make sense to you. That's not going to stick. So that foundation piece is so key. Um, And so 
I love that you're saying that it's so true because I think a lot of times with therapy and coaching and all of it, it's like these ideas that you're just supposed to accept. So you change, so you have a negative thought and you change it into a positive thought or somebody tells you to change it into a positive thought, but you're not buying it, mm-hmm. but you're still repeating that positive thought over and over and over again in your mind. Isn't there some sort of like cognitive dissonance with that? Mm-hmm. Like you're right. Like you're almost creating more trauma in your mind because you're like, <laughs> well, you're gas- you're right? gaslighting yourself, yeah. basically. You're trying to make yourself believe something that you don't actually believe. And yes. So the, I'm not a big fan of the, like the affirmations, like that, this like self-esteem culture where look at yourself in the mirror and put it on a post-it and say, yeah. you are beautiful. And you are like, that might work for some people. And if it does great, celebrate it. And it doesn't work for me because I'll look at it and be like, eh, that's BS on a post-it. <laughs> I need to go to the actual word of God and see what he says about me. Yes. I need to talk to actual real people who are going to tell me like w- where I've messed up, but also where I've encouraged them and where I bless them in their lives, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's where the community piece is important too, right? Like, and that's why I love the idea of therapy because I think especially in this year where we've been so isolated, I think one of the things where we've all, there's periods of time where I felt like I'm alone, like I'm really alone in what I'm thinking, or I'm alone in what I'm experiencing. But the truth is we're all in this. It's a collective trauma, really. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. And when we start talking about it, it just takes away. It's like anything when it's brought into the light, that heaviness and that like feeling of isolation goes away, which is such a beautiful gift, um, that, that therapy is so, okay. I love, I love all of that. And I feel like we could talk forever about this, but I'm going to actually, I I'm going to put in the show notes, like how to get your podcast and all of that. Cause I know you're going to touch on a lot of these subjects, um, in your podcast, but I wanted to make sure that I got to ask you the questions that I gave you a heads up about. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready for that? Uh huh. (laughs) Okay. What is a book that you love? Okay. So when I was thinking about this, I'm like, don't do the Sunday school answer. Of course I read the Bible every day. Don't do that one. Okay. The book that I love is whatever the book is that I'm reading right now. And Mm -hmm. I think this is actually a a COVID blessing and that I, um, I read this on Dr. Carolyn Leaf's Instagram. Oh my gosh. I love her. Yeah. (laughs) She had this quote that was like, uh, research shows that reading fiction six minutes a day can decrease your stress by 68%, something like that. I was like, okay, I'm doing that because I used to love to read as a kid. And then, you know, you go through grad school and raising young kids and career and all that stuff and you stop reading. So this year I've gotten in touch with the Libby app on my phone where I can use my public library card and check out books. Like, like I'm in elementary school again. I love it. I love it. So I've been reading a ton of fiction, but I would say, um, the books that have been super meaningful lately, like life-changing try softer by Andy Kolber. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in, in kind of knowing like how trauma works, she does a really great job of explaining that with a lot of good resources and then just how to, how to start working through that. I also really loved atomic habits by James clear. Yes, I did too. Some life-changing stuff in both of those books. So Oh my gosh. Um, awesome. And, um, I knew, um, Andy Kolber, um, through, 
we were on a launch team for a book together years ago. Um, and so I've kind of like watched her, like, as she was on that journey to like write the book, which is so cool that you're mentioning it. Don't you love that? Like the, just like the connections. connections. Yeah. Um, okay. So what is a movie that you love? Uh, you know, I, we don't watch movies anymore because we're old. (laughs) Right. You probably watch kids um, movies. So uh, if you're okay with some language and stuff, a movie that I thought was really touching recently was Peanut Butter Falcon. Did you see that one? No. Yeah, it was, it was cute. It's like the uh, guy has Down syndrome, but he wants to be a pro wrestler and, and the relationships are just, it was really fun and touching. Um, but it does have language in it. So yeah, I don't know if you care about that. Nope. That's okay. Peanut butter Falcon. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. Okay. Yeah, it's on like that. Amazon or something. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. And I'm liking the chosen series. I don't know if you've oh, uh, now, watched that. I've heard about it so many times now. Do you have to watch it like on your phone or how do you watch it? Yeah. That? So they have an app okay. and then they also release them on YouTube. So oh. you can, if you get the app, you can hook it up to your TV or whatever and like stream it from your phone. Yeah. But um, we just used YouTube because that was a little bit easier to figure out. Um, but it will totally make you fall in love with Jesus. Like I know it's an actor portraying Jesus and it's it's not a dramatization of the scripture. It's just a it's like a take on on the stories of scripture. But um the the way that they portray these characters will make you just love Jesus and love the gospels. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So good. Um, okay. And who is a person that you admire? You know, I was trying to think about that. Cause my, my, uh, my response is always my mom. <laughs> you know, yeah. My mom is the best, but in terms of like people that other people would know, I really, really love Priscilla Shire. I do. Um, I totally have a girl crush on her. Like uh-huh. I want to be her when I grow up, yeah. um, like the white version of her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, she has like the best teaching and she's a mom and she has really cute outfits when she speaks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just love her. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. The armor of God uh, mm-hmm. book study. Yeah. Or Bible study. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And then what is a good piece of advice you've received? I want to mention there's a book called The One Thing, and I'm blanking on the author's names right now. I have it. Um, I'm looking for it right now too to see, but I can't. Yeah, Keller, I think is one of the authors. It's, it's a team though. Um, so the, the premise behind The One Thing is yes, that it's you Keller. Do... I'm looking yeah. at it right now. Yep. Keller and who else? Let me see. There are two. I think there's two. Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Okay. Yeah. P-A-P-A-S-A-N. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So the premise behind that is that you, when you're trying to figure out your life or you're figuring out your business or whatever it is, like you look for the one thing that you can do that in doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. 
and that's how you you try to prioritize things so like the example the when it really hit me was when I you know I'd had my last baby and I was thinking like what do I do now I want to have a career I was thinking about getting a PhD I was thinking about writing a book I was thinking about um, launching a private practice, like all, all these different options. And I said, what's the thing I need to do first that will launch me into those other things? And for me, it was starting the private practice that will give me the experience I need to do these other things. And then things just kind of fall in line after that. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of like, I mean, especially in your role of like coaching and business, like what, what system do you need to set up right now that will make it easier that you don't have to do all those other things. Like when you implemented like automatic text reminders. Yes. Like now you don't have to think about that every week. It became Well, and not only that, but before I did that, I was um, scrolling through my phone. I could only do a certain number of them. I was trying to find people's numbers. I was like, you know what I mean? Like I was wasting mm-hmm. so much time. And so yeah. I, I love that. You, I did that one thing and it changed everything. Yeah. Um, so that would be the advice. That's so good. And I love that one of the things when you choose the one thing is it makes some things aren't even important anymore. Right. You know, I think sometimes we spend a lot of times doing things that really don't move the needle at all. Right. It's like, why are we doing that? Okay, good. I love it. I love it. Okay. So Mm -hmm. how can people find you if they want to follow your podcast or if they want to learn more about you or connect with you, where should they go? Yeah, everywhere I am Soul Grit Resources. So the word soul, grit, G-R-I-T, and resources. And so that's that's where you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram. It's also soulgritresources.com. You can email me at info at soulgritresources. And then um, I also have a, a website for my counseling practice practice, which is just soul grit counseling. If you want to know a little bit more about that, my perspective on Christian counseling, you can find that soulgritcounseling.com. And those, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. And I'm going to put all of um, those connections so people can click on it in the show notes at greatbigyes.com. So thank you so much. And I love talking to you. It's fascinating to me what you do. And it's so important. I know you bless so many people with your work. Yeah. Well, this was really fun, Sue. So thank you for the opportunity to talk with you today.